Yes, it is Father's Day. We're celebrating dads, and, and we're just glad that you're all that you've spent. You're spending part of this this day with us. We really appreciate that. Um, today, I always feel like Father's Day is sort of like this, or the week leading up to Father's Day is kind of like the unofficial start to the summer season, the start to the vacation season. Uh, we've had a fun and exciting and a busy week around the Schaefer household. Um, to go back a few weeks. Um, our middle child, Evangeline, she finished her first year of nursery school, and they had their presentation, and that's always fun to, like, you know, graduate nursery school. Is that a thing? Not really. But she finished that year, and they did a little show, and that was fantastic. And then, of course, this week, Sunday started with celebrating our fifth anniversary as a church. And then on Monday, Lily, she finished her first year of kindergarten. She was finishing that this week and said they had a special graduation ceremony that they didn't call a graduation ceremony, but it was still a graduation ceremony. But it was very nice, so they did that. So Lily did that, and she went to to school through Thursday, and, and um, Holly and I celebrated our 10th anniversary on Thursday, so that was fun. That was a big deal. Holly's here today, so she can appreciate that applause, too, so thank you. I just mentioned that for the applause. That's the only reason why. No, but we had a wonderful anniversary, and so that was great. So it was a big week around the house, and uh, the kids are all wrapping up school. Are all your kids done school? Is everybody out of school? Are you still? Oh, yeah, okay. Kids are out of school, and so it's like the start of the summer season, the start of vacation season. Now, on Wednesday of this week, I get a text message from Holly, and it's a link to go on and, and print out some stuff, and I was like, what is this link? It was some a homework um, the school district has given Lily some homework to do over the summer. And I got to tell you, I, I just I have mixed feelings about homework in general, okay? That's just my feeling. I feel like our kids are, spend so long in school, and then they come home, and they have more work to do. And, like, I get, the, I get you got to kind of, like, apply what you've learned during the school day. But sometimes, I mean, kids, is it just me who feels that way? Sometimes you get just too much homework. It's just too much to do. I thought somebody would agree with me on this. Nobody agrees with me? Nobody? Okay, one person agrees with me, and she just retired, so that's fine. One person agrees with me. <clears throat> I just feel like there's too, there's too much. It's like, bring a little bit home, you know, show us what you learned. I just, I, it's the busy work thing. You know what I mean? Sometimes it feels like some of these assignments are just busy work. And so I, I'm not about the busy work stuff. Plus, parents, we know, especially with young children, we have to participate and do the homework, and it's like a time drain for us. And maybe I thought more people would be with me on that, but apparently I should just move on. Anyway, I've got these mixed feelings about homework. And then I find out homework over the summer? What's up with that? And Holly explained to me, she said, well, well you know, they, they don't want the kids to backslide over the summer, right? You know, especially at this age, Lily's just been through kindergarten. She's just learned a lot of things for the first time. I mean, a year ago, she could barely read. Now she's reading books like it's her job, you know what I mean? And but they don't want them to, the kids to lose that. And they've just learned all this math skills, and so they've got math problems to work on over the summer. And so, because they don't want the kids to backslide and then have to relearn everything they already learned in kindergarten and first grade. And so Holly explained it to me. Holly needs to explain a lot of things to me that I just don't get. So she explained it to me. I was like, okay, that makes sense. We don't want the kids to backslide. Sure, I get it. So Thursday was Lily's fa last official day of school, and so she was finished Thursday. And, and at our house, we have developed a little routine over the school year. And uh, those of you with kids know that, you know, you sort of get into a little bit of a rhythm, you get into a routine, and then that routine needs to change as the kids get older, as you start bringing in some more extracurricular activities or whatever it is. But we've had a nice little routine going this school year uh, in the mornings. The last thing that we do before I take Lily to school, because that's my job, I take Lily to school in the morning. The last thing that we do before we leave for school is we do our family devotions. And so we sit down on the love seat, and Eve sits on one side, and Lily sits on the other side, and Alana does whatever she wants because she's our rebellious child. So she's just out there doing whatever. Uh, we give her a little bit of grace because, what is she, seven months old? Not quite, something like that. So she's got some grace there. But the older two, they sit with me, and we have a cool illustrated children's Bible, 
And Lily tells me, you got to say a prayer before we start reading the Bible, because she learned that in children's church. Mr. Sitter taught her that. So like, okay. And she reminds me, you got to pray first. So we say a little prayer. We open up the Bible. We read the story for the day. And it's a great little Bible. It's illustrated, so it's fun. And then we close the Bible, and we say a prayer. We pray over what we've read. We send them on their way. The whole thing takes about five minutes, maybe 10 if it's a longer story and there are some questions. And I try to explain what we're doing all the way. And so we do that process. And then I say, okay, Lily, say goodbye to your people. And she gives everybody a kiss and we head off to school. That's our routine. And so we did that on Thursday. We sent Lily off to school. And then Friday was different. Friday, no school. And so we went downstairs and we had our breakfast. You know how families do. You know how people like eat a meal of food in the morning, all that, you, you know, like normal stuff that humans do. Anyway, so we did that. And then I sat down with the girls, the older two, and we did our devotions, the same as usual. We said a little prayer. We read the story. We closed the Bible. And after I closed the Bible, for some reason, Evie likes to hold it. She wants me to give it to her. I was like, okay, so I give it to her. And so we finished devotions, and Eve says to me, Dad, why are we doing this? <laughs> why are we doing this? And I got to the heart of the question, and really she was asking, like, why? this is what we do before we take Lily to school we're not going to school with Lily, so why are we still doing this part of the routine? That was really her question. And things started to click with me a little bit here. And I explained, it was like, well, even though school is out, we're still doing our daily devotions. We're still in the Word of God. Even, do, even though that part of the routine is different, we want to keep up with this part of the routine. And so I tried to say that in terms that a four-year-old can comprehend and said, this is just, we do this all throughout the year, not just during the school year. And so that made me realize that there's this thing, and it's not just our students that can backslide over the course of the year. I remember being in elementary school. Maybe you have memories like this. Maybe you don't. But I can remember like two and a half months of not picking up a pencil <laughs> and then going back into school and being like, how do I do this again? How do I write my name? Like, I remember that. So we don't want our kids to backslide with their education, backslide with what they've learned. But we don't want to backslide in our faith either, do we? And we don't want to take those steps backwards in our relationship with God that we're building throughout the course of the school year. This needs to continue. We need to keep up with this as we go forward. Take a look at this scripture passage that's in your bulletin that Tom read for us. And I'll attempt to give you a little bit of context here. And so this is God. He's making an appeal to his people. These are back in the days of Moses and what's happened here. Again, to give you some context, God has, has freed his children from slavery. He's brought the Hebrews, the Israelites, same group of people. He's brought them out of slavery in Egypt. He's given them commandments to live by. He's given them the Big Ten. He's told them how to live with one another. I mean, in this society, this little society that was forming, this nation that was forming, God was their king. He was their president. He was their prime minister. He was all that. He was the lawmaking body. He gave them the laws, and these laws dealt with how you interact with each other and how you relate to God. So he gives the people these laws, and then he tells them, these commandments that I gave to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Okay, families, you should be talking about these things. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house gates. Keep these things with you. I've given you these instructions. I've given you these principles for how to live. I've told you what's wise. I've told you what to do. Hang on to these things. Keep them in your heart. Talk about them. In other words, 
Don't just read them. Don't just hear them. Put them aside and go about your business. Go about your life. Take these things with you. Incorporate them into your life. When you're sitting around the dinner table eating, talk about what I've told you to do. Talk about how I've told you to live. Talk about how you're living out your faith. Talk about these things with your family. Right? When you're up in the morning and when you're tying your kid's shoes, talk about God. When you're driving to school, talk about God. On your way to work, be thinking about God. Be praying to God with your eyes open. Think about these things that God has told you. Get, go back. If you forget the commandments, and they, I mean, there was a whole lot of them. If you forget the commandments, go back and, and reread them or ask somebody to read them to you. Like, go back and do these things. Keep this stuff with you. Don't compartmentalize this. This is your life now. This is your way to live. And he makes this appeal to the children of Israel. Now, as I mentioned, I've got this little routine with our kids, and we do this daily devotion. Now, if, if you've been a, a, like a, a Christian or a follower of Jesus or a disciple of Jesus Christ or whatever you want to call yourself, if you've been a Christian for longer than about 45 seconds, you've probably heard somebody tell you, about the, talk to you about the importance of having a daily devotional time, right? Have you heard about this, Christians? A daily devotional time or a daily Bible reading time or a daily quiet time with God. Call it whatever you want. Don't call it anything, whatever. Sometime, sometime, usually in the morning where you're sitting down and that daily devotion, you know, the meat and potatoes of your devotion time is reading the Word and prayer, right? You read the Word of God. You pray about it. Maybe it's something you do by yourself. Maybe it's something you do as a couple. It's something you do as a family. Maybe you do it with your kids, and then you also have an individual time. I don't know. Some kind of time. You've heard about this before, right, Christians? Like you've, this is a concept you're familiar with. Again, 45 seconds into Christianity, you've heard about this, right? And why I talk about it up here, I've talked about it up front, and you've heard about it, and then here's the thing. Like, there's a couple problems. There's two problems I see it with this, this, this thinking about a daily devotional, the model of the daily devotional. There's two problems with it. The first problem is this. Um, we don't do it. <laughs> That's the first problem. That's the first problem. Now, you're thinking, well, I do. Yes, but Christians universally, so many of us, if you gathered all the Christians together in one room, that would be weird, by the way. But if you gathered them together in one room and said, okay, show of hands, who believes that a daily devotional time is a good thing? Who believes that going to the Word of God and saying some prayers is a good idea? Everybody would rate 100% of people would agree. 100% of Christians would agree with that. And then you say, okay, how many of you Christians actually do it? Less people would raise their hand. And then you say, okay, how many of you Christians really do it? No lying this time. And even less people would raise their hand. See, it's one of these things where it's like, and that's one of the problems with devotions is that it's a, it is a good idea, but we're not doing it, right? And there's so many things like that in life, right? So many things we know are good for us that we don't do, or so many things we know are bad for us that we do anyway. This is just human nature, right? It's just how we are as human beings. We know we shouldn't do things, but we do them. We know we should do certain things, and we don't. That's how it works. I, um, I've been working on creating a new diet. I've run it past Holly. Um, it's kind of like this thing with food. Like, we all know it's science. I mean, there's no, there's no room to disagree. We all know that eating healthy foods helps keep us healthy. You know what I mean? It's not like there's anybody out there who's like, well, I don't believe that. No, eating healthy foods helps keep you healthy. We know that. But we don't do it, do we? <laughs> I mean, we try, we try. Now, listen, I'm a believer in eating healthy. Every once in a while, you have to give yourself a cheat decade, right? A cheat decade, right? Every once in a while. I've, ch I've chosen my 30s, and so I'll let you know how that goes. Um, that was a joke. That, didn't, that just did not. Let's cut that out, because that didn't go over at all. That didn't go over. Um, <clears throat> Holly thought that was hilarious when I said it, by the way. Um, <clears throat> yes, but I do believe in eating healthy. But here's the new diet that I've come up with. Let me know what you think of this. It's called the eat whatever you want as long as you feel bad about it afterward diet. What do you think, huh? Eat whatever you want, as long as you feel bad about it afterward, right? 
And so you eat the thing, you get, you can have cake for breakfast, you can have a bowl of ice cream with bacon sprinkled on top, which I would try. You can do that, eat whatever you want with the condition that you feel bad about it afterwards. Now you might be asking me, Josh, how does this diet work? And the answer is simple, it doesn't. <laughs> of course that wouldn't work. But so many of us, here, here's the point that I'm, I'm really trying hard to make. I don't know if this is working. Here's the point I'm trying to make. There are these things that we like, we know we should be doing, and we don't, and so we go around feeling bad about it. Well, 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 so what? I don't want you to feel bad. When you come in here and you hear me talk about, okay, the importance of spending a quiet time with God or a devotional time with God or reading this word of God for yourself, I don't want you to come in and feel bad about it because that's not doing anybody any good. I just want you to do it, and not for, for your own sake, okay? And so I was sharing with some people earlier today, this, this whole sermon, this message was supposed to be like a, just lobbing a softball out there. Like sometimes I try to give you something easy, you know what I mean? Because you come in here and you're challenged a lot. And I, like I wanted this to be easy and, and, and maybe it is for you and maybe it's not. But this idea is, you know, if we have this, we know it's a good idea to do daily devotions, so let's just do them. Don't waste your time feeling bad about it and thinking about, oh man, I've made this commitment to myself about 416 times and I keep falling through. That, whatever, that was then, this is now, all right? So let's just do it. Instead of feeling bad about it, let's just do this thing. And so, like I said, there are two problems with this daily devotion model that we have. The first problem is the biggest problem. That's that we don't do it. The second problem is that sometimes it leads to the compartmentalization mentality, that we can compartmentalize our faith. I'm going to wake up. We can be a little bit too rigid or too legalistic, if I can use that term, about our devotional thing. Like, I know I'm a Christian, so I'm supposed to do X, Y, and Z, and X is that I'm supposed to read the Bible. So I'm going to get up in the morning, and I read my Bible, fantastic, and now I go about my day, and I leave all that behind, right? Whatever I read, that was just for me, and that was like a little nice thing that I did, and it was a, like a discipline thing, and so I'm glad I did it, but I'm going to leave that behind and go about my day. God says, no, 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 no. Take these commandments with you. You know, and there's words that God spoke to the Israelites. They still apply. There's a principle we can take with us today. He was talking to the children of Israel, but I think this applies to the church also. What Jesus has taught us, let's not just read about this stuff and say, wow, that's awesome. Thank you for this little quiet time. Check that off. Let me go about my day leaving that by. No, take these things with us into our lives. That's the idea. This whole following Jesus thing, this Christianity thing, yeah, maybe it's, for you, maybe it starts as just something you do on a Sunday morning. Okay, fine. Maybe that's how it starts, but it needs to grow bigger than that. The ideal or the idea here is that it's supposed to consume your life. This isn't something that's like, well, I did my Jesus-y stuff for the day. I'm good. Take Jesus with you. Take Jesus with you into your day. Now, the ideal, again, when it comes to the... the now, listen, I'm not bad-mouthing daily devotions. Stop doing daily devotions. No, 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 no. But when we do them, let's bring some greater intentionality to them, right? And the idea here is that we're, we're starting our day with Jesus. We're inviting him into our day. We're inviting him to be our boss that day. We're inviting him to guide us that day, tell us what to do, and all of that. That's the idea. So if we're going to do this thing... Let's do it with intentionality, and let's do it the way God has commanded us. Carry these commandments with us wherever we go, when we're sitting down, when we're standing up, when we're walking down the road, when you're driving down the street, whatever you're doing, when you're on your way to vacation, okay? Now, as I mentioned earlier, this is vacation season, and so vacation season becomes especially tricky. I think there's a big challenge here because, listen, if it's a challenge for us to do our daily devotions when we're in the school year, when we're doing our normal routine, I think it's, it can be an extra big challenge for us to keep up with those devotions, keep up with that quiet time of God when we're out of our routine, right? When we're on vacation. 
I know a lot of, like I said, next week a lot of us are going to be away, but this, this is vacation season. Whether you're going to do a staycation, whether you're just taking a few days off work, whether you're taking a day trip down to the shore, whether you've got like a whole month plan where you're just going to do all kinds of, whatever it is. Once you're out of your normal routine, it becomes even more challenging to pour into that relationship with God. Listen, I'm not trying to be legalistic up here. I'm not trying to tell you, well, if you're a real Christian, you're going to read your Bible every day. I'm not trying to say that. What I am saying is this. And this is a concept that I mentioned a few months back, and we got to keep coming back to this. I feel like I need to keep saying this statement. If we're not growing in our faith, we're dying in our faith. Does that kind of ring a bell for some? I've said that. If we're not growing in our faith, we're dying in our faith, and we don't want to make it to the fall and be like, oh, hey, Jesus, how are you? How was your summer? <laughs> well, you know how mine was, but uh, you don't want to get out of the rhythm with, with Jesus, right? I mentioned earlier that Holly and I, we just celebrated our 10th anniversary. And now, now, you've seen this on TV, or maybe you've said this to your spouse, or maybe you've heard this kind of thing before where, you know, some time will pass, and maybe a couple is celebrating their 5th anniversary, or their 10th, or their 20th, or their 50th, and the husband says to the wife, or the wife says to the husband, I love you more today than I did the day we were married. And I didn't think that was possible. You've heard stuff like that, right? Even on TV, you've heard, it's, yeah, I know it's mushy, guys, come on. But you've heard that. I love you more today than I did when we first got married. And you think, well, how is that possible? Because I thought I loved you as much as I could possibly love anybody that day we were married. But somehow, 10 years in, 20 years in, 50 years in, I love you even more. How is that possible? Because over the course of that 10, 50 years, whatever it is, you're pouring into each other's lives. You're developing that relationship. And that's how, I know it's weird to compare this to Jesus, but that's the kind of relationship we have with Jesus. We keep getting to know him. We continue to grow in our love for him. We continue to read his word. We continue to do this strange thing of showing up on Sunday mornings and doing this event, this worship service, whatever you want to call this time. We do this together collectively. We hear from the Bible. We listen to somebody talking to us about Jesus. We do these things that help us understand who Jesus is better and help us develop that, greater develop that relationship with him. And so as we enter into vacation season, don't forget to take Jesus with you. Don't forget to take Jesus with you. Now, some of you, some of the, our, our younger members, you may have heard me say this to you before, like in a one-on-one type situation. You know, sometimes we're talking, say, like, yeah, yeah, I'm going off to this, you know, I'm going off to this bachelorette weekend, or I'm off to this bachelor weekend, or I'm going to this bar tonight, or I'm going to this big party tonight. I say, great, have a wonderful time. Take Jesus with you, <laughs> right? You've heard me say that. Some of you have heard me say that. And so I'm saying the same thing when it comes to vacation. And that's not like about like just feeling guilty, like, oh, i got to be on my best behavior. Jesus is with us. No, it's about bringing him into the conversation, bringing him into that situation, bringing that love to wherever you go, right? And so as you prepare for vacation, take Jesus with you. You've got your bathing suit. You've got your sunblock. You've got your Jesus, and you're good to go, right? Hit the road. You know, roll down the window, play some Taylor Swift, do this thing at the window that you like to do, right? Yeah, guys, you like doing that? No, right? Go ahead, but take Jesus with you. You're out of the routine, but take Jesus with you. Now, I threw this idea out here a little, just a few minutes ago that it's even more challenging to devote yourself to some devotional time. Devote yourself to devote? That's too many devotes. Um, it's even more challenging to have a devotion when you're on vacation. But you know what? Just the opposite could be true. Especially for those of us who are struggling to find a rhythm to get into with God, like where do I do this, how do I read my Bible, maybe you can use some of this vacation time to begin a little routine with Jesus, a discipline with Jesus. You know, ideally vacation means you got a little bit more freedom in your schedule. 
So why not try it this summer as you're on vacation or wherever you go? Again, vacation, staycation, whatever it is. Maybe take advantage of this opportunity to spend some more time with Jesus. And then when you're back into the school year, back into the rhythm of life, back to work, okay, bring Jesus with you. Whatever we're going, whatever we're doing, the idea is that we are supposed to take our faith with us, take Jesus with us, okay? And so I don't want to show up. Just to give you kind of like a, a behind-the-scenes thing of like church leadership and all that, a lot of us pastors and church leaders, we struggle with what to do with the summer. It's like, should we just like take a break and not talk about anything important until people show up in the fall, right? We struggle with that, but I feel like that's not fair. We're a church. We're still meeting. We're still going to be here every week, and so keep Jesus with you wherever you go and whatever you're doing. One of the things that we do as a church is we have these podcasts that are available, and we've got a couple people who make sure those podcasts get up within a day, or that's the ideal, but within that week. And so one of the things you could do is you can keep up with the podcasts. Even if you're on vacation, you can still keep up with the podcasts. Now, you and I both know that the podcast is not the same as being here, is it, right? I mean, you're just listening to some guy talk. That's different than actually being here and singing the songs. And I believe that so much, the most important thing that happens on a Sunday morning happens outside of the bulletin, right? It's a talk with one another. It's a saying hi to each other, all that stuff. But it's a substitute, right? Maybe it's not a great substitute. But the very least you can do is listen to these messages. Keep up. Maybe that's a resource to you. I know I'm looking forward to catching up on these messages. I'm going to be on vacation. I'm going to be at Kenya. But I get to hear what's happening in our church even as I'm away. And so that's one thing I'm going to do. So practically speaking, take Jesus with you. Don't forget to pack your Bible, right? Beach towel, goggles, Bible, set, okay? I don't know if you're aware of this, but you're technically allowed to bring your Bible onto the beach. It's not against the law. You don't have to sneak it in and at a cup or anything like that. You could actually take your, uh uh-huh, yeah, uh yeah, yeah. You could take it with you. No cover at all, right? Take it with you to the beach. Take it with you. Spend some time with God this summer. When we get back into the swing of things in the fall, we're not going to have to start from zero, right? We're going to be building that relationship with God over the summer, and we're going to be raring to go for the fall. Listen, I'm a big believer in vacation. It's a thing that's necessary. Seasons of Sabbath, time to get away, time to get out of the routine, whatever that looks like. Time to recharge your batteries. While you're recharging, take Jesus with you. Keep up with those devotions, and your faith will grow stronger over the summer. We're not going to backslide. Our faith is going to grow stronger over the summer. Amen? Amen? All right, let me pray for you. Father God, we are thankful. We're thankful for the summertime. We're thankful for uh, change in routine. We're thankful for uh, vacations and, and what they look like. We're thankful for time to, to kind of refresh our batteries, either you know, by ourselves or with our families. We thank you for that. We thank you for the Sabbath. You've created it. You gave it to us. And so, Father God, you've, you, you've heard the message here. You're in the message here, and you know, you know our hearts, Lord. We just we want to keep up with you over the summer. We want to grow in our relationship with you over the summer. And so I pray for each one here. I pray that as they set out for their vacation, whatever that looks like for them, I pray that you would be with them, Jesus, and they would use this time, take full advantage of this opportunity to build into their relationship with you over this vacation season. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.